Welcome to the Resume Storyteller, bringing you interviews with industry experts, regular folks who tested the job search waters and succeeded, and strategies to tell your story and land you job interviews. Here's your host, Virginia Franco. Hello, everyone. Um, actually, good afternoon. Today's post, or today's post, today's podcast is going to be a little different in that it is going to be a little bit self-reflective and I hope not indulgent. My my thought is that it might be helpful to sort of share a little bit about my own career because I see job seekers so much struggle with the fact that, you know, their careers are, they seem like they could be a little disconnected or, um, you know, they're not super linear um, or younger people where they feel a lot of pressure to know what they want to do and to be on a career path. And I thought about it and I thought, gosh, if I had had someone that was willing to share with me what their career was like and how topsy-turvy it was and and that they came out on the other side, okay, that would have that would have helped me quite a bit during the different stages of my life. So I'm going to do that. And um, I hope some of you get find some solace or some comfort in it. And um, I'm also going to share some takeaways that now upon reflection, I feel like are are valuable for people that are in the midst of job search right now. So I'll start at the very beginning, um, which seems a little bit silly, but I was shocked when I started thinking back to my earliest roles, what some of the takeaways were. Um, you know, I started the way a lot of a lot of girls do back in the day. I started my very first roles were babysitting. Um, I was 12 years old and I made a killing. Um, I was lucky in that one set of parents really liked the work I did and spread the word. And there was a whole group of friends. And so I was pretty much busy every uh, Friday and Saturday from the time I was 12 all the way until I had my driver's license. Um, and I made enough money with that role to buy a VHS recorder. For those of you in the 20th century who might remember what those were, um, my sole goal of babysitting was to have enough money to buy a VHS so that I could record my favorite soap opera while I was at school. Uh, back then, it was $500 to buy a VHS, which I don't even know what that is in today's money, but it was a ton. Um, so it took me years to save up, but uh, I was able to buy it and then buy one cassette tape that I used over and over again for years. So did I like babysitting? It was okay. I liked parts of it. I didn't like parts of it. But my big takeaway from that is that sometimes it's okay to take a job that meets your short-term goal. So for me, being 12 years old, there's only so many jobs that I can do. I didn't have a car. I wasn't old enough to officially work. Um, so this was a great opportunity to have a job that worked with my schoolwork and help me meet my goal of being able to buy a VHS machine um, because my parents refused to buy one. They thought it was a silly purchase. Um, okay, so fast forward. Now I'm an official teenager with a driver's license and I got my first quote unquote real job at a health club as a lifeguard. Uh, it was a three lane pool. Everyone knew how to swim. So I really didn't have to do much. Uh, it was a great, I got to do my homework when no one was around, which was often. So I had really good grades during that time. And it also came with a free membership. So that was for me, the takeaway of that job is 
sometimes it's not about the job, it's about the perks that come with it. And uh, and it was really great to have a job that allowed me to serve double time as a as a time where I could study and then work out for free. So win-win. Fast forward to college. During college, I worked at my school paper as an assistant and as an assistant to two different journalism professors. I was part of work study. And so I thought I, you know, I thought I wanted to do communications or writing. And so why not get a job with two journal journalism professors? Um, and then working on the school paper, I, I uh, you sort of had to do some of that for your classes, but I then got a job as a copy editor and that was paid. I got it walking $100 a month for working 30 hours a week. It was insane, but it looked really good on my resume. I got to learn a lot about the craft of, of, of writing and copy editing. Um, and then as the assistant to two journalism professors, uh, it was number one, they were really great in terms of getting advice. Um, so they sort of served as my mentors, but one of them even let me transcribe a diary of one of his ancestors who was in the Civil War. So super cool. That's during college. I also spent summers and holidays temping as a word perfect whiz. For those of you who might remember life free Microsoft Word um, back then, it was new enough. And I got paid 10 bucks an hour, which today is like $20 an hour, just because I knew that software really well and could type fast. Um, so I, bottom line, I had, you know, two or three jobs throughout college, but they allowed me to sharpen my skills, get mentors, and then get paid really, really well. Um, and then I graduated with a degree in journalism and sociology and a minor in cultural anthropology during the time. So super liberal artsy. My first job out of school I, um, it's funny, I actually got a job in my field working as a copy editor for a um, newswire service, but the pay was so dismal. It was $14,000, which would not enable me to get out of my parents' basement. So my sole goal coming out of college was not to, you know, get started on the career path or anything like that. It was just that I want, you know, I wanted to be independent. I did not want to live in my parents' basement. I don't even know if they would have let me live in their basement, but I didn't, that conversation was never even brokered. So that was my goal was to make enough money to be able to support myself. So I pivoted from, you know, working in the, you know, directly in my field. And I was able to get a job as an association in, I worked in, I lived in DC. And so there are lots of uh, different trade associations that we lobbied on Capitol Hill but I supported the public relations, marketing and training vice president. So it was sort of ancillary, but the truth is I was bored out of my skull. Um, and thank goodness they let me tackle special projects um, because it was really, really boring. Um, and it was during that time that I began writing resumes for free for friends because um, lots of people were job hopping even back then. And um, I didn't know that anyone ever got paid to write resumes. So I did them for free. Um, figured writing is writing and just did that. Um, but when I reflect back on the takeaway from that role is sort of like the babysitting one. Sometimes you take jobs because it meets a goal. And for me, it got me out of my parents' basement and I got, and I was able to afford living with uh, three other friends in a really expensive city. So that was great. Um, after about a year, a little bit more of that job, I sort of had enough and I got a job at a small international consulting firm. 
where um, I supported the CEO. It was very small. It was like six people. And I uh, was able to provide our Latin American clients with details on news events impacting their industry and World Bank happenings. Um, I got that job because a friend of mine worked at the World Bank and she heard that this guy was hiring. So it was definitely a friend of a friend situation, um, which shows you that even back then, networking was a way that you could get jobs. Um, honestly, no real takeaways there, except for um, it was an interesting job, but the culture wasn't that great. CEO wasn't that great. Um, and, you know, a lot of Me Too stuff happened there. And um, I, as soon as I got out, could get out, I got out. Um, I actually pivoted. I was really struggling with what I wanted to do next. I knew I loved to write, but I really was feeling a desire to give back. Um, and I was doing a lot of volunteer work on the side. So I decided to go back to grad school and earn my master's in social work, which I did. I got accepted into the University of Maryland's program. Um, the first year I uh, you know, took out loans to pay my own way and realized that was going to get pretty pricey given that you don't make a lot of money as a social worker. So I was able to get my second year paid in full by uh, applying as a graduate assistant. So I supported uh, a professor in the social work program and she knew I loved to write. And so she was hosting a lot of uh, conferences and, you know, in talks. And so I would write, I offered to write all of the conference marketing communications. Um, and, and she let me do that. I did that while I was in school. And then I also got to work in, in social work school, you get to do practicums or sort of internships. And so I spent a year at a pregnancy center for Hispanic women and another year at an adolescent health clinic in inner city, Baltimore. Um, so in all of those roles, it's interesting. I was practicing the craft of social work or, or my social work skills, doing case management and individual and group counseling. But because I love to write, I always jumped in whenever there was a need. So at the pregnancy center, I wrote brochures. I wrote marketing copy. copy. I wrote manuals for people to follow when they were running the office. Um, at the health clinic in Baltimore, uh, I had to put on a couple of different health trainings and I would write the guidelines for that. So I was keeping my writing skills sharp while doing it in a different capacity, writing for, um, you know, on social issues and, and for jobs that helped me get back to the under underserved. Uh, after graduate school, I uh, moved from Maryland to Richmond, Virginia, and I got my next job through networking. I talked to a couple of professors, told them I was moving to Richmond and asked for some names. And I literally old school went to their offices, set up appointments. Uh, back then there wasn't email. I'm just trying to remember. I called them and sent them letters. Um, and every time I would meet with someone and you know they graciously took the time to speak with me i asked for other names and literally networked my way in in this new city without electronics there certainly was no linkedin but was able to get a job at a home health care agency which let and and that job they let me wear two hats i sort of was able to create my own job there they they had an opening for a 
part-time case manager, which is a social worker, um, where I did work for uh, Medicaid hospice aid patients. Um, but they also needed some human resources and communication support. And so I told them I can, I can write whatever you need. And so they let me piece together a full-time job that way. So I would do about 20 hours a week of Medicaid hospice aids casework. And then I spent the other time doing uh, employee trainings for new certified uh, nursing assistants and home health aides. I wrote job descriptions. I wrote the company newsletter. Um, anything that needed to be written, I wrote. After several years there, I got pretty burned out because I was going to a lot of funerals. This was a time when uh, a lot of the AIDS medication, a lot of the good med AIDS medications that are available today weren't. Um, and I think I went to like six funerals in six weeks and I just, I, I felt like it was time to make another pivot. But when I reflect back on those roles, on that role, what I learned was it's okay to be, to ask for bold, to make a bold ask. Um, they might say no, but they could also say yes. Um, it was a part-time job rather than disregarding it. I shared my skills and offered to see how I could uh, piece together a full-time job. It was a win for them, a win for me. Um, and allowed me to continue the writing piece that I love while also exploring, exploring the social work piece, which I was also enjoying. Once I pivoted, I um, I decided it was time to go back to corporate America. Um, I wanted to work with a company that cared, that, that was social, socially conscious, I, I guess is the word. Um, and Capital One, their CEO and the, the two founders, one had been a social worker and one had been a counselor. And um, so that, that really spoke to me. And so I started telling everyone I knew that I was looking and a guy that I am friends with to this day that I went to college with. He was a junior recruiter at Capital One and I talked to him and he thought I might be a good fit for a role. So um, Capital One had a startup cell phone company back then where they were selling phones through the mail. Now it's defunct, but they hired me to stand up their communications and their training department, um, which was fabulous. So I got to manage people for the first time. I got to uh, create all sorts of communications for operations, sales. It, you know, it was a little mini company and I got to really learn all about how different companies, the, the different functions that make up a company. Um, There's an awful lot of responsibility for someone pretty young. They ended up expanding into two or three different locations. So I had a three city team um, back, you know, really during the early mails of email with you know cell phones. That was, there was no texting, none of that. So that's how we ran the job. After I had my first child, which was while I was working here, when I I pivoted from Capital One startup to working in corporate communications, I um, wanted to see about see if there was some way to get some flexibility. And you know, this was in 1998. This was a time when people didn't talk about flexibility. But I started speaking with people that I knew in communications at Capital One, and I made the case for a hybrid virtual role where I worked three days a week in the office, one day a week from home and one day off. And that counted as full time at Capital One. So it was it was wonderful. The company didn't have a, a, a standard policy for this sort of thing, but by making the ask, they made it happen. 
Um, so I went work for another department. I worked in corporate communications, and that's when I wrote for I did speech writing and executive messaging and newsletters and the company magazine and annual reports and just got a taste of writing at the executive level and writing across all functions of of a company that was super fast growing. Um, in that role, I even eventually made the case for a job share where um, I was, you know, thinking about expanding my family and I knew someone that would could also do the role. And so she and I did a hybrid where we started, I think it was that we each worked three days a week with one day overlapping. And at that point, I did go down to sort of officially part-time. But again, by being creative and making an act that the company allowed us to do it, and um, it worked out because then they had full coverage and then they didn't have to pay benefits to either of us, um, which we didn't need, fortunately. But it was it was a great way to continue my skill set and be able to you know juggle what was going on with my growing family. Um, eventually, I did leave that role. Um, kids two, three, and four were then born. I went for three and got four kids. Um, and uh, honestly, that period, uh, I juggled diaper changing, preschool runs with a lot of freelancing. Um, Capital One kept me on to do customer email templates, some little projects here and there. Um, I did a lot of free work for people to keep up my skills. If a, if you know there was a fundraiser going on, I would offer to write press releases or do marketing collateral. Um, but I really sort of put my head down, focus on my little kids at that point. But I was able to keep my skills fresh. So that um, I know I remember talking to a lot of a lot of stay-at-home moms at that point, and we were worried about, you know, how do we work? How do we not work? How do you keep your skills fresh? What happens when you need to re-enter the workforce? All of that. So um, I'm really, really grateful that I was that I was able to keep my my skills intact during that period. Um, as my kids got a little bit older, I um, I started taking on more freelance work. Um, so I got a job for working for a local newspaper, um, a local magazine. I got a job doing some online writing for, it was a company called Demand Media, and they did third-party writing for companies like USA Today Travel, Hotels.com. I'm sadly no travel included in those roles, but even at that stage, so I was about 38 at this point, um, I was able to take that job and piece together work based on my schedule by starting, what I did was I started with the newspaper, use the newspaper to land the magazine, let use the magazine then to go to their virtual um magazine and then from there i was able to ha i had enough of a portfolio that i was able then to get the the uh, freelance job with demand media that gave me all of that national exposure so you know sort of a similar takeaway be creative make the asks um and the other huge takeaway is to strive for a role that works for you in the moment um my job at capital one wasn't working for me at that point i was drowning in four little kids um as your life evolves, your jobs have to as well. And so this period paid some bills, kept my skills sharp, but it allowed me to do what worked best for my family at that point. 
couple fast forward a couple of years later, and my husband took a, his job took a hit. He was the primary breadwinner at that point. He had the benefits. Um, but the recession of 2008 happened and um, he took a huge, huge pay cut. Um, he lost his job and then he took a huge, when he landed again, he did take a huge pay cut. And so I had to figure out a way to make up the difference. Uh, my kids were, I had three that were in preschool and one that was in elementary school. And I just, I was calculating the childcare costs and remembering how often kids get sick in daycare and really, really struggling. So um, that's when I started doing more research and discovered that people actually got paid to write resumes. You know, keep in mind all along, I was you know, doing all of this paid freelance writing, but I was, I was still writing resumes for free. I had no idea that anyone did it for a living. Um, so I started out as a subcontractor. Um, great resumes, fast, Jessica Hernandez, forever grateful to her. She was much younger than me, but she, um, you know, I wasn't formally trained in resume writing, but I guess she recognized that I understood some principles of resume writing because they aligned very closely with news writing. And she brought me on as a subcontractor. From there, I then uh, worked for several other companies as well. Um, I did not do any marketing or anything like that. This was strictly there's a client, write his resume. So I probably did a handful of resumes every every week and really, really perfected the craft. Um, I also earned, did a ton of professional development to learn as much as I could about resume writing. I earned several certifications along the way, but that, that period really cemented for me the knowledge I needed to write for executives all the way to, you know, new grads all the way to executives. Um, all sorts of industries. I got a huge plethora of, of experience, and I also got some some more confidence that I could do this. Um, the certification certainly helped. The professional development certainly helped. Um, so this is another another example of striving for work that works in the moment. Um, my kids were not in full time school; they were in preschool. And I didn't have a ton of time flexibility. So this was a role that let me bring my laptop sort of wherever I needed to bring it. Um, people used to see my laptop on the soccer field, the basketball, uh, picnic tables, all of that. Um, but I would, I could write at odd hours and plug it in with what worked during my day with my family. When my youngest finally got into elementary school, that is when I decided to go into business on my own. And that's when I formed Virginia Franco Resumes, uh, which is what is in existence today. Um, that role allowed me to help others and write. So it was sort of the perfect mix of my graduate school social work experience and my love of writing that had been a thread throughout my career. Um, but it also, because of the flexibility, I got to be a Girl Scout leader, a book fair chair, on the PTA, um, I ran more carpools than I can even count. At one point, I think I had four kids in four schools, and I was uh, driving 15 hours a week. It was it was quite a nutty period, but this business allowed that flexibility. I worked a lot of hours, but I squeezed them in in between um, in between my life. Um, and so I'm forever grateful. And that is where my career story ends to date. Um, but there, for me, are four big takeaways that I have referenced throughout, but I just want to sort of close out by highlighting. Number one is that 
careers can be twisty and turny, and that is okay. Um, my own story is it just feels all over the place. Yes, I wrote a lot. Yes, I did a lot of helping of other people. But when you look at those job titles, to me, they seem very disconnected. Um, but there are common themes and identifying that is really helpful when you are writing your documents. Um, but don't be afraid if your job, if your history does appear to be, be twisty and turny, find those common themes and um, show the transferability of those skills. Second, uh, takeaway is one that I've alluded to a couple times, which is, you know, don't be afraid to make the bold app. They might say no, but, you know, what if they say yes? Um, I am so glad that I asked the head of that home health care agency to do a hybrid, to do, to combine two roles. I'm so glad that I asked Capital One if they would do some sort of creative uh, job for me. And they created virt a virtual role for me, or at least one day, one day a week virtual back when it was dial-up. Um, so it was something that hadn't been done before, but by thinking outside of the box and making the case to people that were open to that, um, it worked out great. Um, the third point is uh, the one I alluded to at the very beginning, and then again at the end, that it, it's okay to take a job that meets a short-term goal. Um, if you want to, if your goal is that you need benefits, that's okay. Take that job, even if you don't love the other parts. You know. Ugh. Back at the beginning, it was for me buying that VHS player or doing work that allowed me to um, not have to deal with the cost of childcare. Um, so think about what's going on in your life and and whatever that goal is, and and take a job that meets that. Because that not meeting that goal is sort of a deal breaker, right? And and deal breakers really can determine a lot of your career trajectory. Very lastly, and, and I think you'll see this as you know, I've certainly seen this reflecting on my own career, which is to strive for roles that work in the moment for you. Recognizing that as your life evolves, your jobs might will might as well, and, and they should evolve. What worked for you in your 20s might not work for you in your 30s, 40s, and 50s. I'm in my 50s now. Um, I have a lot of flexibility that I just didn't have in my 30s. So it might open me up to some other opportunities. Um, in my 20s, I didn't have kids. And so I, I had different different deal breakers, but it's okay if things evolve. Um, what might be your dream job now? It maybe wasn't your dream job 10 years ago and it might not be your dream job 10 years from now. Um, so I hope that helps. Thank you for letting me uh, be indulgent and reflecting on the last, I can't even count, 30 years of career, um, of my own career story. I am available if anyone has any questions, but thanks so much for listening, guys. You've been listening to The Resume Storyteller with Virginia Franco. To learn more about storytelling strategies to catch the eye of today's online skim hiring and decision makers, please visit www.virginiafrancoresumes.com.